The following podcast is taken from a live broadcast on Inspire FM. Assalamu alaikum everyone. Welcome to the Arise to Success show. I'm your host on this show. My name is Jihad. Throughout the show, dear listeners, if you have any questions or comments, please feel free to send those in 0779-481822. So now it comes to introducing my guest. And our guest today is a CEO of the first public speaking academy in the world for Muslims called Power of Voice Academy. She's also a TEDx speaker, speaker coach and TV presenter. Halila Lister is our guest today who used to work in media on huge stages and left that line as she became a Muslim in 2007 and didn't know how to merge the two worlds. Halila has now tapped back into those skills after entering entrepreneurship and passionate about helping other Muslims get their voices heard powerfully. Halila, it's a great pleasure to have you on on the show with us today um, and welcome to the Rice to Success show. How are you doing today? Assalamu alaikum. Thank you so much. It's wonderful to be here. Thank you for having me. And yeah, I'm good. Alhamdulillah. How are you? Alhamdulillah. I am great. So Khalila, mashallah, great background. If you can tell us more about you and how did you get to establish the first public speaking academy in the world for Muslims? Yeah, I mean, you gave my summary there really, really well. And that was what it was. My life was in performing I did public speaking, though we didn't necessarily call it public speaking, but that's essentially what it was my whole life. I mean, that's mm. what I did. I was at the point where I was really building a career in front of thousands, regularly doing speeches and opening for a lot of people. And then I became Muslim, like you said, and I didn't really know how, since Islam had taught me modesty and everything I'd known, the places I was in, the kind of party area, it couldn't work for being a Muslim. So I really struggled knowing how to still use my voice until mm. I stumbled into entrepreneurship. And it was through entrepreneurship that I understood what I believe the greatest tool you own is your voice. I mean, just like this conversation here on radio, in an hour, literally even in two minutes, you can decide whether you like someone or not, whether you're interested to listen to someone or not. So there's so much power through our voices. And I went back and I studied with some phenomenal giants in the public speaking world and saw that there just wasn't enough of this for Muslims. Mm. And essentially there is a difference between a trained speaker and an untrained speaker. And I'm just really on a mission to bring this into our ummah to get more Muslims speaking up powerfully. That's great, mashallah. And, uh, you know, I was wondering, because one of your emails that you've sent out, and I read something and I thought I need to ask you today about okay. it. And I'm, you know, <laughs> I'm going to read it out where you said that you had immense fear not much over a year ago after my dreams. The girl who was overwhelmed with the idea that no one would want to listen to take me seriously. The girl who held back and felt shame on a skill she had or she had become overqualified in. So from this girl, Khalila, to the CEO of the first public speaking academy in the world for Muslims, a TEDx speaker, a TV presenter, and a speaker coach, how did this happen? Tell us more about this transition. Yeah, so I fell in love with niqab probably a year into being a Muslim. I just, I, I don't know, I felt when I met women who wore it, they were so strong and so beautiful, and I understood a lot of the women around the messenger wore it and I fell in love with it. And I always say, I don't ever think I'm better than someone who doesn't wear it. It's a piece of cloth, right? Mm. But it's something that I fell in love with and bought into my identity. So at the time when I became Muslim, I fell very quickly into a very abusive marriage. Mm. Alhamdulillah, I have four beautiful children, which is a blessing and everything 
that you go through if you come out the other side makes you stronger and there were many lessons learned but one thing I really lost in that time was my confidence and my voice so that's two things was my confidence and my voice because I was always afraid to speak it was like if I said the wrong thing it would just cause this huge problem in my household so I was always holding my tongue and to have gone from being that girl who was so confident on the stages to not even being able to speak in my own house I think when I came out of that marriage what a lot of people don't talk about is a form of almost PTSD it was like even though I wasn't in that abusive environment anymore I still it's a lot to undo all the thoughts and the things that they were saying to you that still go through your head so when I knew that I'd gone into entrepreneurship and it was going well and I wanted to get back out speaking I really did think well hang on a minute I'm in a niqab I'm it's a I'm a long time away from that girl that used to do that I know stages I know how to speak I know how to perform in essence but is it going to work now and I was plagued with fear I felt sick I remember the first time I ever went live I covered the screen and it took a long time but mm. alhamdulillah I have really learned it feels so much better to do what you love do what you're skilled in when you don't sacrifice your values and you get to show up unapologetically as who you are Absolutely. And uh, I do a lot of personality work as well based on the um, uh, teachings of the Prophet Muhammad Sallam and how he nurtured the Sahabas based on their personalities. And what you mentioned here where you had your voice, so you had that in you, you had that personality where you can do public speaking, outspoken, and although you've gone through an experience where you felt you lost your voice, the personality doesn't change, the personality remains there, it just gets suppressed until you nurture it, and then you are able to be that person again. So, mashallah, that's amazing. And there was something that you've mentioned there about the niqab. A lot of people, you know, think, and I'm referring to non-Muslims here, is that the niqab kind of shuts us down, right? It's it's yeah. not, it doesn't give us the power. In fact, you said it gave, it, you felt that it gave you power. Could you tell us more about that? Yeah, I can't explain, except that I almost feel free. I mean, yeah, I can explain. I feel more free dressed like this than I ever did as a Western woman, where especially the industry that I was in, everything was judged by looks. The more skin you showed, the reality is, I'm not gonna sugarcoat it, the more skin you showed, the more opportunities you have, the more doors mm -hmm. that open. That's the way that world works. And suddenly we come into Islam and Alhamdulillah, we get to be judged by other things. We get to make an imprint in the world in our skills and our talents and for me, alhamdulillah, dressed like this is just the ultimate freedom. And it is the complete opposite to what I would have ever thought as a Western woman. And actually, it's really amazing because, like you said, I did do TEDx. And it was with, it was in Santa Barbara, California, where there's not a lot of Muslims. He, The guy who interviewed me, he actually said, this is the first conversation I've ever had with a Muslim woman. Wow. And they were so surprised and intrigued to learn that yes, we cover, or yes, even more, I do the most vivid form of covering there is. And yet we still have personalities. We still have amazing contributions to the world. And I think it is actually a very powerful thing. If we choose to dress modestly, we don't need to shy away from it. We can dress modestly and still do amazing, incredible things. That, that's amazing, subhanAllah. And as you said, it's totally opposite to what you would have thought and what a Literally. lot of... Yeah, and what a lot of people think as well is that they think that hijab is like, you know, restriction to us and we can't do much in our life. And in fact, you said that hijab was your freedom, which I find quite fascinating, subhanAllah. Yeah. 
in terms of, you know, how would you explain it? It has given you freedom because I think that's really important as well for other, especially the young Muslims as well, to feel that power that you hold. Yeah. In a societal basis, we will never be the standard of beauty. That's mm-hmm. not the depiction in media, in the world. Again, it's the same thing. It's the more skin, your hair makes you beautiful. That's the narrative. Mm. But for us as Muslims, the reason why I think it is so freeing is because that we're not bowing to that mentality. We're going back to the fitrah. We're understanding Allah does not give anything to us except that there is good in it. Yeah. So, you know, with the niqab, I don't personally hold that it's obligatory at all. It's a personal mm. choice. But with the hijab, for example, when we do observe it, subhanAllah, I believe we are free in our mind because yeah. we know it, it's hard. Anyone who says it's not hard, you know, it is hard, especially if you live in the Western world where not everyone understands it, not everyone agrees with it. There's a lot of ignorance. So putting it on, it can be a battle within your own self as well. Mm. And so I think it is a point of freedom because we're choosing to show up Muslim. We are visibly Muslim. You can't unsee us, mm. alhamdulillah. And we're putting this on with pride. It's almost like, to me, it's our crown to be like, yeah, I'm a Muslim. I'm proud mm. and I'm here. So to me, it is freedom, but particularly of the mind. I love it, inshallah. That freedom of the mind is much more important than anything else, right? And you are in control. You chose to dress that way. And a lot of, you know, media and a lot of people think that we are forced to dress up that way. It's not our choice. That's why that freedom is taken away from us. So I love that freedom that you talked about, which is freedom of the mind, which is really important. So Zakalakhe for that. And perhaps if we can talk a little bit about your your journey into Islam, if you don't mind. Um, okay. I always love hearing stories about how people have become Muslims. <laughs> Yeah, of course, no problem. Um, my family are Jewish, right. which people are always quite surprised, like, what? <laughs> yeah, alhamdulillah, but they were not religious, so I wasn't brought up in a religious household. They were pretty right. English, like, they ate pork, we okay. celebrated Christmas, that's about as far as our Jewishness went, so there wasn't... But their external family, the outside family, they were more religious. It's just that mm-hmm. my parents, when they met, they don't believe in the religion, they decided they wanted to not bring us up. We didn't go to synagogue or anything like that, alhamdulillah. Mm-hmm. But I always, because I wasn't brought up with any mention of God in my house, Mm. I always felt like there was something missing. And I think the first real big moment in my life was when my grandfather passed away when I was 12. And that I was really close with him. And I just remember thinking to myself, there can't just be this big black hole that that's the end. There has Mm. to be more. And although I went on my own journey, I was a very rebellious teenager. I was not the best I definitely went through a lot of different experiences that led me back down the path of looking into there has to be more to life than this. This cannot be it. Mm. And it was when I was 18, my best friend at the time, who I was living with, uh, she became Muslim. Alhamdulillah. Mm. That was the first time I ever realised that Islam is something that is open. It's not kind of in a box far away thing we almost have in our mind. It's like foreign. It's not... I had friends, one of my closest friends was a Muslim from Egypt called Fatima, but she'd never, ever given me dawah, explained to me that I didn't know anything about Islam. I just knew she wore a hijab on her head. So Mm. it was only when my friend actually became Muslim when we were 18 that I had that exposure. And she was determined that I was going to become Muslim. And she literally, may Allah bless her. She spent a year of her life giving me dawah to the point where I was like, Alhamdulillah, this is absolutely the truth. And I just, I begged Allah. I would pray behind, when she was praying as a Muslim, I would pray behind like this and I would just say, God, 
if Islam is the truth, please guide me. And mm. Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, that was 17 years ago. So, mm. well, SubhanAllah, it's very emotional when you're talking about it because you can sense, SubhanAllah, the love that you have for it. And the fact that, SubhanAllah, a lot of no things I've noticed that it all depends on our intention. Mm. And because you have that intention that you really want that guidance, a lot of the people that I speak to, speak to as well, well, alhamdulillah, has guided them to, to towards the religion. They had that intention that they wanted guidance. They wanted, they were looking for something, as you said, something missing, subhanAllah. And Allah guides. So it's like, you know, when Allah says, come to me with the length of an arm, come to you with, I can't remember the exact words, but it's like the, the small step that you take, Allah takes much bigger step. Yeah. Exactly. So subhanAllah, the intention he had. And as he said, may Allah guide um, your friend who, or may Allah bless your friend who, alhamdulillah, spent a whole year to, to help you with that. So mm. inshallah, she gets the rewards for that as well. Inshallah, all the amazing work that you're doing, inshallah. Uh-huh. And I'm just going to just quickly remind our listeners, just in case anybody joined us um, late, um, is that we have Khalila on the show with us today, who is the CEO of the first public speaking academy in the world for Muslims called Power of Voice Academy. She's a TEDx speaker, a speaker coach and TV presenter. And as we're talking about the power of voice, um, Khalila, if you can tell us what exactly is the power of voice and how important it is, because you touched a little bit upon it just earlier where you said that you kind of lost your voice in, in, in um, the marriage that you had. So tell us more about that power of voice. Yeah, it's like I said earlier, I truly believe your voice is the most powerful tool that you own mm-hmm. for connection. When we, Especially we live in a world where we are driven by connection. It's not enough for us now to see a product and just want to buy it. We want to know who's behind it. How did it happen? What's the behind mm-hmm. the scenes? We're in that really social media era as well. But it's through our voice, through sharing things like stories where we can connect and unwrap layers essentially in seconds. Mm. we really have to go through something called no like and trust to buy from people and I'm talking from an entrepreneurial lens or a business owner lens but actually our voices have the potential to change lives mm. I have been so blessed to work with really amazing charities for example where we are raising awareness about people who are voiceless that we get to be the voice I can't say for them because we can never be a voice for someone else but we can at least use our voice to advocate There is so many amazing things that we can do as speakers. And something I really noticed, especially, I'm just going to talk about Muslim women now. Mm. I was working with women who had done incredible things. They had very successful brands. They were really known. They were doing amazing things. And yet they had never got on a stage and shared their story. And it was still that almost imposter syndrome Sometimes it was cultural ideas that had been passed on to them. A lot of women who were born Muslim have this cultural identity where they believe that confidence is arrogance and finding that actually talking about your accomplishments is praising Allah because you didn't do it. Nothing is from us. It's from Allah. So now in Power Voice Academy, I have worked with some incredible women and helped them get onto huge stages. And even if it's not huge stages, it could be in their coaching programs, wherever it is that they want to talk, now they know they can and they have the tools. And I just see these women just showing up again and again. And they always say, it's open doors I never dreamed possible because now I know I can. And I think that's what's so beautiful because you, we need your voice. We need to hear more Muslim voices to be able to help change the narrative and help our younger brothers and sisters to see the possibilities so your voice is so powerful. You hold so much power when you dare to speak up. 
Absolutely. And you work with both males and females, right? Uh, yeah, I do. Yeah. I have a women only group. Mm. That is where I work with women. But on a one to one basis, I work with men and women. And I've worked with some incredible brothers as well that are doing amazing, amazing things. One of my clients, he got shipped off and he did a speech in front of thousands and he just was able to use his voice and share his story to inspire. And the best thing about it is, especially if you're selling and you know how to, you can make lots of profit back at the same time. That's why I always say speaking for profit and impact. Absolutely. That's amazing, Hamla. So in general, you help all Muslims, mashallah, which is great. And I think that's very, very important for us Muslims to have that as well. And you touched quite on in terms of the business field, but also, as you said, and you shared your, your personal story earlier, is that not having your voice and not being able to voice your own needs. So on a daily basis, that's very important. And I, I work with, with clients as well who feel like they can't, speak about their needs because of you know various things that they haven't gone through in their lives and it's very important that we have this voice because then if we don't we can't even speak about our needs we can't tell people what we need we we don't even know our own needs sometimes so it helps you even on daily basis um for your own you know um for your own benefit and for the benefit of people around you as well because if we can't communicate our needs people can't understand what we want right so it's very important on daily basis and as you mentioned as well in terms of businesses um those who have businesses and what happens, Khalila, if we don't have or if we lose that power of our voice? When I wasn't speaking up, I always felt like the, in the pit of my stomach, it was like this little voice right down in the pit of my stomach. There's more for you to do, almost whispering. And then the whisper turned into a scream. And I always felt like I was sleeping on my potential. And I think when we... Sh- hide away we almost walk in the shadow of who we're supposed to be we're not opening our shoulders and taking up the space we're hiding almost in the shadows and Mm. it will become that you live your life always thinking what if what Mm. if but I always say that when you do speak especially if you're sharing your story or an experience even if that is behind your work as a coach or an entrepreneur or even if that is behind it by you sharing it's never about you it's about the people that are going to hear your words and take away immense benefit yeah and it might be that you have an incredible idea I mean a lot of the work I do with TEDx that's all around helping people to share a big idea one big idea and when you allow that out into the world alhamdulillah you know with the right intention like you said earlier it's all about intention that can go and touch hundreds of thousands of lives so what happens when you don't do that is you miss out on immense opportunity Absolutely, absolutely. And do you have specific tips that can help our dear listeners, if anybody is listening, you know, and, and, and experiencing the same? How do they get the voices back if they've lost it? There is one thing that they can do, some tips. And I would invite actually our dear listeners to actually share with us. Send us your comments mm-hmm. on, I'm just going to read the number out very quickly if I go back to it, on 0779481822. Please feel free to share with us your comments. If you have experienced the same or if something has helped you, what would that be so that we can share it with others as well? So Khalila, do you have any specific tips or something that they can at least start with to get their voices back if that has happened to them? If you've lost your voice, it's normally because you've probably gone through something traumatic or sometimes it doesn't even need to be something huge to the world, but to you, something's happened where you've lost your confidence because if you've lost your voice, that means you had it once, right? And you feel like you're not living in your potential. And I can relate to that. Like I said, when I came out of that marriage, I didn't even know what my favorite color was. Mm -hmm. So 
finding it back, building it back. It's not like you're going to just one day wake up and grab the mic and be powerful. We have to go step by step. So I would say the first thing to do is not compare where you are to where you used to be and not compare where you are to anyone else. You're where you are now for a reason. We can't go backwards. We can only go forwards. So I would really say essentially finding out what it is that you want to do. What are you passionate about? Learn who you are again and know what is it that you want to put into this world? What is your main skill or an experience that you want to share? Work out what that is. Fall back in love with your passions again and then slowly, slowly start to share it. Even if it's just in the beginning locally to friends, you start speaking up to family members and then you can start to really push out and not be afraid to reach out. You can reach out to radio stations. I think we feel like we have to wait. People are not coming to knock on your door. Not in the beginning. Uh, you know, once you've started establishing yourself, like now, alhamdulillah, from Allah, again, it's not from me, but I'll have people constantly reaching out. But in the beginning, no one knows who I am. I have to start reaching out. I have to make that step. And there will be a hundred no's, but you might get that one yes. And that will be the first step into the door of, inshallah, what will be a domino effect. So just keep going. Find your passion. Find what you want to put out in the world and go with it. That would be my advice. Absolutely. And I'm going to share something personal here where you said find your passion, because I started in the counselling field many, many years ago, and I love it. You know, I became a counsellor and I find it really, really, um, uh, I'm really passionate about to in order to make that difference in someone's life. But I always felt something was missing. Mm-hmm. And I kept looking for that. What is that missing? And I went through several things and I still couldn't find what is missing. And until a year ago when I started the personality work, and I don't know if I mentioned it to you before, Khalil, about the personality book, no. I'll just tell you a little bit more about it. So have you heard of the 16 personalities or the Myers-Briggs? Not many people have heard of it, so it's okay, don't worry. So it's it's a Western theory, right, um, that helps us to analyze or understand our personalities and how, and how we can utilize our strength in the right place. But subhanAllah, I came across it about a year ago that it's actually an Islamic theory, it's a prophetic model that the Prophet Muhammad used with the Sahabas. For instance, you know, and I, I had a, a talk about it a few days ago in, in an event that for example, in Abu Dhar radiallahu anhu, you know, he asked the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu to have a role in the public office or in the government. And Abu Dhar is very, no, very well known for being very pious, but the Prophet denied it. And he asked him to go into da'wah instead. And you would just think somebody so pious, why would the Prophet deny such an amazing, you know, thing to have, you know, a pious person in, in the government? But the Prophet told him, do not rule over, do not, do not rule over two persons and do not manage the property of an orphan. And he told him to go into da'wah instead because he had the skills and the strength of being very influential, being very inspirational, that he can make doubt when people can listen to him very easily. And another um, scenario is that uh, Osama bin Zaid, from the age of 18, the Prophet Muhammad appointed him to be a commander of an army. And an 18-year-old nowadays, just still a teenager, right? Right. A commander of an army, that's because he had the skill of being very spontaneous, being, being very practical, being very quick in the battlefield. So... When I found about that, and I was like, this is my passion. This was what is missing all this time. SubhanAllah, I've done several talks in various events. But the talk that I did on, on Saturday, um, just two days ago, usually when I stand on the stage, you know, I panic, I get nervous. SubhanAllah, this time, I was just so focused on the content. I was so passionate about it. And the amount of people who were interested to know more after yeah. this event was much more than previously. So it comes back to what you said, find your passion. Because this was my passion. I was able to convey the message yeah. very passionately that people were so interested to know more. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I love that. I love That's beautiful. I, see, look, I want to learn more about it already. I'm intrigued. Yeah. And that's it, because you're so passionate and you believe in it. You can transfer that 
into your audience. I love that. Passion Absolutely. is Absolutely. Inshallah, we'll talk more about it offline. Yes, <laughs> but we've, we've got about a few seconds before we go for the break. So I'm just going to quickly uh, remind the listeners we have Khalila, who is the CEO of the first public speaking academy in the world for Muslims called Power of Voice Academy. She's also a TEDx speaker, a speaker coach and TV presenter. And we were discussing about the power of our voices. And if we lost our voices, how we can get that back, inshallah. And we'll continue after the break. So, dear listeners, this is Inspire FM Luton on 105.1. Yes, I got that right. So we'll be going for a very short break. And please stay tuned, inshallah. We've got a lot more things to discuss with Khalila after the break. So if you have any questions, please have those prepared. And inshallah, we will come back in a few minutes. Assalamu alaikum. Assalamualaikum. This is Atif Nawaz. Listen to Inspire FM shows in your time by heading over to inspirefm.org or listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Welcome back, everyone. This is the Arise the Success Show. We have Khalila on the show today with us, who is a CEO of the first public speaking academy in the world for Muslims called Power of Voice Academy. She's also a TEDx speaker, a speaker coach, and a TV presenter. Khalila says our guest today, who used to work in the media on huge stages and left that life as she became a Muslim in 2007 and didn't know how to merge the two worlds. Khalila has now tapped back into those skills of entering entrepreneurship and passionate about helping other Muslims get their voices heard powerfully. If you have any questions, our dear listeners, please feel free to send those on 0779481822. So Khalila, before the break, we were discussing about the power of voice and what happens if we lose our voices and how we can get it back and so on. And you've shared some of your stories as well. We kind of talked about, you know, being passionate about what you do is very important to have that voice as well. And you mentioned something before the break that made me think and, and, and decide to ask you a question about it, where you said the whisper turned into a scream for you. So sometimes, you know, when our personality is suppressed and we we it's not nurtured, we lose, we lose that voice and something triggers this that, it triggers it that it comes back or it screams, as you said. Do you remember what was that that kind of helped or kind of led to that whisper to become a scream, to become a power? Yeah, like I said, obviously it was in being in that abusive, toxic Mm. environment where I was being, I was completely oppressed. And I think a lot of people outwardly who've never been in that situation, probably even I would have before I entered into that situation would think, why don't you just leave? Why don't you just Mm -hmm. get out? But it's something that happens so slowly. They're very good at it. And it just, it starts to strip away your layers like an onion till you're Mm -hmm. left down right to your core. And before you know it, you're already almost trapped until you realize that you can break free you have to be ready so during that whole time across many many years and bearing in mind when you have a family as well often there are many factors that make you stay anyway that's a conversation for another day but the point is that during that situation there was always something in me that knew there was more that I needed to do there was more I was made to do more than just 
Now, I have, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying this in the sense of just being at home is something mm. bad. The greatest women of our ummah are at home, essentially raising the future ummah. That's beautiful, that's brilliant. But for me, I just felt that there was something more I needed to put out into the world. And it was a whisper because I couldn't really put my finger on what it was because I was so far away from who I once was. And the way it turned into a scream would be, for me, it happened by force. I think Allah always plans. Sometimes mm. we we don't know what's going to happen, but Allah has a plan. And obviously when I did become a single parent, suddenly I had to put a roof over my kid's head. I was the one who had to make sure if they ate or not. Mm. And I didn't want to be in a situation where I was just relying on benefits. And I didn't, I didn't want to just settle. I didn't want my circumstances to make the end to be my situation, right? I didn't want it to define me. So this little voice turned into a scream because of the severity of me needing to get out and provide for my kids. Otherwise, I don't know if I would have took the push to start up my own business. I don't know if I would have. And that's mm. me being completely honest. But that situation threw me out into the deep end. I started my own business because I didn't want to be having to work all these long hours and not be there for my kids I, yeah. I grew up in that situation and I knew I didn't want that for my kids I love the connection that we have so that was that scream that was like there's you have to get out there and as I was out there what turned into the power as you said I love that whisper to scream to power I love that yeah. but I would say that that power really came out when I realized the effectiveness of what could happen how when I was sharing my skill when I was understanding that there were people who needed to learn to speak after I'd been onto huge stages like TEDx that opened my career from mm. daring to speak from daring to share my story I realized the power of putting out your skills into the world is that it helps other people and when I saw like I said the women and the men who are realizing that okay she can talk and in a car I get non-Muslims who are like if you can stand on huge stages and give powerful talks and I can feel your emotion and I can't even see your face I can do it and yeah. so that's what's incredible, right? That you can just touch so many people by putting your skill out into the world and turning it into your power. And I think Absolutely. that was kind of my journey to being able to do that. And I would say you have to go through all those things. It's what makes you who you are, but you can choose to make it break you. You can choose to stand in your power and own it and do what you love to do, essentially yeah. sharing your passion. Absolutely, that's amazing. And what you said about the niqab there, because a lot of people think they can't be kind of part of the society because of the niqab. They can't go, you know, use the trains and so on and so on. But mashallah, you being, you know, helping other people as well to vote, you know, to, to have the power of voice, which is amazing. And something you mentioned there as well is that um, you want to, you knew that there's something that you can put there that out to the world. And the fact that you didn't give up you were in that situation and a lot of people, because I, I work as a counsellor, even when I was studying counselling as well, a lot of people, they find it easier to stay in abusive relationships because 
they you know that one is that they've been so controlled that they can't think outside that yeah. and two is that okay you know what he's bringing in the money you know if i don't if i don't if i leave this relationship who's going to bring the finances and so on and so on you've taken that risk right and also it comes as muslims that reliance on allah doing yeah. what you think is right and relying on allah because allah is the provider at the end of the day so i feel like that not giving up has been your power as well all this time because you didn't give up to the situation you didn't give up to your power and think okay you know what that's it i'll just give up i'll just you know deal with it you know whatever is happening to me you held into that and you didn't give up until mashallah you managed to get to where you are now and not only helping yourself but helping so many people out there and inshallah you will help more and more and inshallah our generation to have that power of their voice as well inshallah well yeah so for you know being in tedx as well that's not easy and mashallah you've done that and even on top of that as well you you starting at headaches for muslims right yes it's amazing tell us more about that yeah <laughs> the second i got into tedx and i understood how it works mm. and how it really it does it changes your life if you do it properly and you utilize it properly it can open so many doors because it literally positions you as a thought leader in your industry from just having that title tedx speaker people are okay you know what you're doing i'll come in and learn from you and so the minute that i did it and i saw the power that was behind it i knew how many more people that i really wanted to help bring up because it's a big process to get onto tedx and what i found from a lot of sisters and brothers is that they've been applying and getting nowhere so i was like right i need to I need to create this and another sister i think you know as well jennifer mashallah yes when she heard me speaking at an event she pulled me aside afterwards because i'd been talking about tedx and she was like well this is something i really want to do too so i was like okay i'm a very collaborative person i love working with people and you know we essentially put our skills together obviously for me i'm training the speakers i'm helping them put their talks together i'm helping them to be able to deliver it powerfully and through this process i'm really learning as a speaking coach I have to unlearn everything for TED because it's a really different kettle of fish. The way the talks are put together for TED is really different to the general keynotes that you would do mm. on a stage. But if you follow the process, if you just follow the, what it is that they essentially want, which is one idea, they don't want you to have a talk where you're sharing your whole life and everything you know. It needs to be very clear almost going back to basics and then there's a process of, of building it through but the speakers are incredible i can't wait to announce who they are for everyone to see but there is we're we're making huge changes and it's just amazing that allah spandala has given me that opportunity to allow people onto the stage and inshallah it will be an annual thing so we can just start to have more and more voices and there are some non-muslims who are in our tedx as well it's not only for muslims let's just yeah you know but it is the fact that we can amplify voices in our ummah in such a i mean there's over a billion viewers on ted platform mm. so it is essentially just mm. a, a door into being really heard so yeah if you're listening and you want to come on to tedx in london we'll have applications open again for next year's one so that'll be really good 
Oh, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Maybe we can, if you can tell us more about and how people can apply, because I know there was an email going out about if anybody would like to volunteer. But just to let you know, in a minute, there will be Maghrib Adhan starting, but we'll talk, inshallah, and, you know, as soon as it starts, inshallah, if we pause and then come back to that, to okay. our conversation, inshallah. So at the moment, you're looking for volunteers, is that right? For the yeah, day? well, we actually, we actually just closed the form on the volunteers, but we will definitely be looking for sponsors. So if you have a brand a business and you want to get it onto the tedx stage then definitely say you can send you can get in contact probably through instagram that'll be easier than me giving out an email and we can get in touch with having your brand supporting the ted platform which is incredible so that's the next step now Great, inshallah. And is there what if you if you just let the listeners know about your Instagram so that they can get in touch if they're interested? Yeah, you can get hold of me on at Power of Voice Academy on Instagram. That's my favorite playground. So (laughs) out of LinkedIn, Facebook, the the Instagram is my favorite. So you can get at me there. Assalamualaikum, everyone, and welcome back to. Arise a success show. Just a reminder, we have Khalila on the show with us today, who is a CEO of the first public speaking academy in the world for Muslims called Power of Voice Academy. She's also a TEDx speaker, a speaker coach and TV presenter. Dear listeners, if you have any questions or comments, please feel free to send those in 0779-481822. If you would like to share anything with Khalila or any questions for her, please feel free to send those on the number that I just mentioned. So Halila, just before the Adam starts, you were sharing your um, Instagram where individuals or sponsors can contact you um, regarding the TEDx for Muslims. And that was the uh, on Instagram, Power of Voice Academy, right? Yeah, that's right, yeah. Brilliant. So if you can tell us more about that TEDx, you know, um, um, process, is it is it something that happens annually or how what, how does it work? Yeah. Yeah, can I just say, I just love how like the Adhan comes in, you know, things like that, where you're reminded that you're speaking, working in an Islamic environment. It's amazing. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, the TED, TEDx, our TEDx, which is TEDx Bethnal Green Road, will be an annual event, inshallah. And we will have up to 20 speakers on the stage alhamdulillah mm. all how ted works is the talks always have to be under 18 minutes so each speaker has a short time because it's kind of the idea behind ted that short i agree holds the audience's attention so much more you know mm. and you can just hone in on that one message that one idea and the process is so for the next one we'll reopen applications probably mid next year, maybe early next year, because our event is in February 2024. So that's when the TEDx will be, and there will be tickets on a very first come first. It's going to be, I know they're going to sell out so quickly, but Mm. there'll also be online tickets as well, alhamdulillah. And then we'll repeat the process again next year. There will be open applications for people that want to come on and speak and volunteers and sponsors but for now we're just getting this one executed and it will be in east london inshallah Mm -hmm. in february 2024 and all the details will come out once the tickets go live Mm -hmm. and at the moment the best way to get involved is if you have a business that you want to get on and want to be sponsoring and that we're definitely Mm -hmm. looking for inshallah 
Great. Exciting stuff. And I'm looking forward to getting... Yeah. It's like a dream, honestly. When I got the news that I was going on TEDx, I just remember breaking down, crying, because I would, like, have my hairbrush in the mirror and do my TEDx talk when I was younger. <laughs> and I'm like, what? Now here I am in the pub. So now to be like, whoa, I'm actually a curator and a coach yeah. to train people to get onto that stage. It's just, alhamdulillah. Like you said earlier, never never give up. You yeah. never know what you have in store. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the fact that you had it in you since a child, mashallah, now the dream has come true, alhamdulillah. Literally, literally, alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. I'm looking forward, inshallah, to, to knowing more about it. Inshallah, hopefully I can attend, inshallah, live. So that would be Inshallah. Inshallah. And uh, you mentioned about listeners, they can find you on Instagram. Is there any other ways where listeners can reach out if they want to learn more about what you do, the public speaking training that you offer? Because I know you had that, um, I think, uh, was some some few months ago, right? So where can they find you to reach out, to know more about what you do and so on? Yeah, definitely. I have an amazing free five-day training coming out at the end of November and I have a very special guest that you all learn about who I'm actually going to be doing that with this time around. And the best way to find out any information about everything that's going on is either through the Instagram, which is at Power Voice Academy, or you can find loads of information on my website, which is just www.powerofvoiceacademy.com. And there are ways that you can email me or find things out which you can find through that website, inshallah. Great. What else do you do apart, you know, part of um, Power of Voice Academy or any any other work that you do that our dear listeners, if, if they would like to benefit from that, um, inshallah? Yeah, the main thing I do is the public speaking coaching. That's my mm-hmm. bread and butter, my passion, alhamdulillah. So the academy is really set up around training for the stage. And when I say stage, I always say some people it's like me the stage is like I feel at home I love it yeah (laughs) and some people love to do that and if you want to then I train you in how to deliver a powerful keynote or how to give a really powerful but there's also people that want to better in their communication skills Mm. you are an entrepreneur it might be that you want to be better at selling better on social media there are so many stages anywhere you can think of talking that's what i do inside the academy to make people more confident speakers but also using professional skills and techniques like the other day i do a group called signature keynote speakers so i'm training a small group of women in a very intimate setting to go through and put their talk together and each week you know we do the intro in the first week and then we go into the different techniques and skills and my last session i was doing a technique called i call poetic speech mm-hmm. where i was showing them how to when you're delivering a speech when we just keep our voice in one way mm-hmm. listeners can zone out and there are ways to change up your speech patterns so that people are like oh and they come back to life and it's like a cartoon their ears prick up and the mm. sister in my course said to me, I always see you on Instagram saying there's a difference between a good speaker and a great speaker. And there are techniques. And she goes, now I understand. Amazing. I, like, I told you. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I do. That's what I transfer. And 
alhamdulillah it's just amazing fun i love the people i work with and we're only just getting started i think alhamdulillah and yeah, yeah i'm also a homeschooling mommy so that's my world we kind of balance the two yeah so how do you balance all of that mashallah having your own business and balancing yeah. it out with homeschooling as well mashallah do you know what i'm a realist so i'm never gonna sit here and be like in the morning it's wonderful and we homeschool <laughs> and then we all smile and i work you know some days i crash <laughs> but yeah. i try my best i i personally because i had such a bad experience at school mm. and living in the west mm. i just don't to me school isn't an option for my kids i just i can't do it so i'm not a homeschooler because i am obsessed and love it it's because i think it's the best option but through doing it we have fallen in love with it i feel like the connections that i have with my kids i would have never had if I hadn't have done this and I get to see them developing their skills and interests and just like, I, I like to call it life learning, just having yeah. experiences. And then I obviously have to work and they're not shut out of that. Like my son is my video editor, Mashallah Tabarakullah, he's amazing. Yeah. So I try to bring them in on as much as I can. And, you know, I just, I would say the thing that, helps me the most is there are some days or particularly evenings for example that I need to work I'm coaching or uh, you know there's so much that goes behind the scenes that people don't realize it's not just show up there's so much to do yeah. so I might be doing all these kind of things but my kids know that when I'm there I'm there I'll just shut everything off and make sure on specific days and specific times in the week I'm present and I think that's what just helps me to get rid of that guilt because you're always going to feel guilty when you're with the kids you're like I need to work and then you're with the work and you're I need to go with the kids so just knowing that when I'm working I'm working and when I'm with the kids I'm with the kids I would say that's what just helps me and them inshallah yeah and they appreciate it as well yes absolutely and they appreciate it because being present means you're giving them your full you know the full time you yourself being fully there for them and they can children are very good at picking that you know picking the 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 connection and if they know that you're fully present that's much more valuable for them than doing work and trying to kind of you know being present with them at the same time and it makes you absolutely absolutely and it makes you feel fulfilled as well giving your work it's full giving them that your full time when you are with them so being present is very important and subhanallah when you mentioned about homeschooling there's a lot of criticism around homeschooling and it's like oh the kids don't socialize how do you get because i think that that that, 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 i noticed that conversation comes up quite a lot between individuals who homeschool and those who don't homeschool so maybe if we can just spend a minute or so um speaking a little bit about that yeah that's the biggest thing that we get how do they socialize well by meeting other kids (laughs) they just do it maybe they just do it at different hours i mean there are there's a where i am i'm really blessed there's a huge homeschooling community a lot of my kids closest friends are homeschooled so we can just meet up on a wednesday morning and randomly go to a park and it's empty alhamdulillah so they they do get a lot of opportunities to socialize obviously you 
need to create that Mm. and also i just want to say that i think we really undervalue the communication within a family Mm. it's like that we we see that they're going to get much better communication skills from being outside away from the family when actually in school you're not allowed to talk yeah no apart from in the playground where you're almost just letting off steam for the majority of the day you're not allowed to just socialize so Mm. I think this aspect is it's it's the least of my worries there are things obviously as a homeschooling parent you do worry are they going to miss out on xyz but socialization my kids are too social honestly they need to like calm down a bit (laughs) and to be honest I find that with home with homeschooled kids sorry I cut you off there sorry yeah yeah yeah. no 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 no, go ahead go ahead I said I noticed that with homeschool kids that their confidence is a lot higher and a lot better than kids at school, um, and their social life. Because I I I had um, I know somebody who used homeschool from very very long time ago, and her kids have much more social life than those who are at school because they have a lot more time for social life, swimming, you know, this and this and that. Subhanallah! So it's amazing. Yeah. I would love to have more, you know, to talk more. Um, Khalila, because mashallah, having discussions with you is amazing. But we only have a few seconds to end the show. <laughs> so Shazakallah wow. for being here with us today. It has been amazing. And inshallah, the, um, our dear listeners would have benefited from that as well, inshallah. And get in touch, inshallah, with yourself for further information. So Shazakallah khair, Khalila. And Shazakallah khair to all our listeners. And see you next week, inshallah. Assalamu alaikum. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Why not tune in to our live stream at inspirefm.org and follow and subscribe to our social media platforms at InspireFM Luton.